descends through the hourglass. Today is the longest day of my life. Did you get it, Michael? Are you working? Mm-hmm. Y'all good? Now we're cooking with gas. Alrighty, no. cool beans. Welcome back to the longest days of our lives, a twenty-four fan cast. It is day two, hour five, and I am one of your hosts, Jack Bauer Superfan Mike Cushing. I am another one of your hosts, twenty-four newbie Curtis Perry. And I am your third and final host, and surprised that Michael Cushing actually pulled off the intro on the first try. First go, buddy. Howard. Good job. Hey, did yeah, it. did it. And guys, for being, we're a trio of sleepy boys this yeah. week. And I think we're, I am shocked that I did it. I'm proud of you two. Everyone did great. <laughs> we did, we did an excellent job. All right. We're done, guys. I was real close. In. I'm not going to lie. I almost fucked I'm that I'm very word. glad that I nailed it for the worst episode of the season so far. Mm. It's uh, not it bringing a lot of the stuff, though. It sets up the stuff. We got Jack it, 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 and Nina got, in the yeah. same building. Mm-hmm. We got uh, we got Jack back in charge of CTU. Mm-hmm. A mm-hmm. lot of things happened, mm-hmm. but there was so there was too much Warners and too much Kim. That's really it. It's just I don't want to. I, I hate them. I hate the faces. <laughs> yeah, this episode won a lot of Warners. Although it does introduce Tony into the Warner equation, which seems like a fun variable. Also, Agent Richards, who seems like a dead variable um, at any at a moment's notice. Um, and then, yeah, Kim finds a boyfriend, a new oh, boyfriend. Man. Which, oh, man. Yeah, can't yeah. wait for Miguel to do all sorts of fun stuff. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> look. I didn't say that everything that was set up in this episode is going to be fun. Because yeah, the Kim Miguel thing is going to be a shit show. I can. Oh, God, I can tell. I, yeah, I don't need. To, I don't need. I don't need. I don't need Hispanic Rick or Hispan Rick, as it were, to show up, and that's what we get. So <laughs> a musical Hispanic Rick. Uh, <sighs> God damn it! <laughs> so yeah, when, this... when they cut when they cut to his studio with the music, I was like, Rick. Yeah, so it was like they back? were playing the same brand of shit shit house rock. Like, yes. it's ooh, like, maybe Miguel so was making all of the music that Rick was listening to. Ooh. So you're saying he's Hispan Rico Iglesias? <laughs> Except I wasn't, but I am now. <laughs> Enrique Iglesias is already Hispanic. <laughs> yep. Yep. You should. Yep. I, look, man. I'm tired. I've been drinking again. Let's just let it go. <laughs> we'll come back to it. Um, so we we'll open up. It, it is. <laughs> we ain't fixing shit in post. If I've learned anything from editing the last four weeks. He's also a producer. He's more like Miguel Rubin. Yeah. Chiboy barely produces anything. Um, so we open up at noon, which feels weird because in season one, it took us 12 hours to get to, to noon. Mm-hmm. It, like, it feels weird that we're in the middle of the day now. Um, but we open at CTU. And we learned from a building inspector that, hey, CTU is not safe uh, nah. and could fall apart at any moment. And, unstable uh, girders. A, a lot of unstable girders. Uh, so we have a bunch of emergency personnel running around. Uh, all the lights are flickering. There's debris everywhere. And computer technicians are trying to get the servers up and running again. And Michelle tells an IT tech named Kevin to leave the destroyed CTU servers alone and try to set up a generator to the A island, which, okay. Um, and... We hear George getting a lecture from a fire marshal, and then uh, we cut over to the doctor, maybe, question mark, who's working on uh, Paula Schaefer, the uh, unconscious and dying uh, IT tech, and he says, we're trying to bring her around with a combo of stimulants and hydrating fluids, which, 
I mean, I don't know how Curtis, your wife's a doctor. Is that you just give her a bottle of water and some Gatorade and slap her on the butt and tell her to get out there again? Or how does that work? <laughs> Rub some dirt on it. Yeah. If they're giving her, if we're giving her epinephrine, which is, uh, which is, uh, <laughs> artificial adrenaline, essentially. Um, and then if they give her some, uh, some saline or some, some Gatorade, <laughs> I don't think it's just Gatorade. I think they gave her an IV. <laughs> oh, sorry. G2. <laughs> G2. Don't want all this sugar. We're getting that going. The problem is, is that when you introduce adrenaline into someone who has internal bleeding, it just makes that bleeding go a little faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that mean that mean dead faster. So and they, and they did take off that handy girder off of her legs, which was holding all all of her good blood in. All the good blood's in, um, and, and adrenaline does make your heart pump faster. So yeah. So go. George walks over and says, "Well, we're running out of time, so yeah, wake her up." Drink. And uh, he so he tells her tells the chief paramedic to get her awake, so. They can get the codes to the data on the NSA server, which Paula never finished sending. Um, so Tony walks past and George asks him where he's going. And Tony just says, well, I'm following up on a lead that came in. There's an L.A. connection to Syed Ali, which is the terrorist financier who we learned in past episodes through Kate Warner's P.I. Ralph. That uh, is it. Uh, Raison Ayer, her sister's fiance, has connections to. And uh, George says, well, I need you here, Tony. <laughs> and <laughs> which is rich. Rich yeah. Yeah. the guy. Didn't you just <laughs> leave, <up>. motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you leave before the bomb went off here, you son of a bitch? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's weird. And so Tony just says, You need me here to do what? Watch Paula die? You've got that covered. Oof. And I'm gonna go follow up on this lead. And mm. George tries to order him to stay again for some reason. Maybe because George knows that he's dying from radiation poisoning, but he tries to order him. And Tony's just not having it. He's like, everyone else who can do this job is dead. So what do you want me to do? <laughs> I assume that George wants Tony there because he is second in command. And at any moment, George could just basically start bleeding out of his asshole. And then, you know, he would probably need someone to take over, I assume. Right. And again, this is one of those things that 24 like coincidences that Tony had needed to have a mission so later in this episode, Jack can have a one of those classic flashes of deduction from this show and, again, take over CTU without anyone to get in its way. Just shows you that Jack is better at his job than Tony. Mm-hmm. A little quicker on the, on the uptake. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tony goes off to investigate a... They put this very diplomatically. A Middle Eastern businessman in in L.A. who had had contact with Syed Ali, um, which kudos to the writers of 24 for being pretty diplomatic in a post 9-11 world. Um, and then George turns and yells at Michelle for a moment. And then well, he says, his, what are you looking at? Yeah, what are you looking at? We, I mean, I love that George is just kind of like devolving into just like a pure ball of rage. As he has some good lines. As much as this episode sucks, George kind of has some good ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so an aide named Eileen walks over and hands him a call. And it's Jack Bauer who informs George that Nina Myers is the one who sold Joseph Wald the schematics to CTU. And that they bombed CTU to uh, tear down their response capabilities to the nuclear threat. And... George's response, well, that doesn't make any sense. She's in prison, which, <laughs> to his credit, is accurate. It's true. Correct, sir. And, you, are, you are correct. And so Jack says, well, Wald approached her before we took her down, and she sold him everything, including personnel, gate codes. And I was like, that was 
two years ago. Right. They they probably should have changed all of the information and all the stuff after they found out Nina was a mole. It's like when you it's like when you change your locks if you lose your keys, you know, you don't just keep the same locks. Yeah, I have to update my fucking password at work every 90 days. Uh Come on, guys. Do better. It's like you don't change your gate codes to the secure government facility in two years? Are you sure? Nah. Well, she probably told her it's one, two, three, four. In two years, I'll probably make it one, two, three, six. So, (laughs) you know, you're all right. Tricky. (laughs) (laughs) So Jack also tells him that because he couldn't reach George, who was off-site being tended to by hazmat uh, techs, that he had already called Ryan Chappelle to have, uh, who is their boss at Division, to have Nina transfer to their office of CTU for questioning. And uh, George immediately realizes that having Jack and Nina in the same building might not be the best uh, possible option. So he tells Jack, okay, well, don't come here because we can't. <laughs> the the building's destroyed, and you know we you, you wouldn't be comfortable here. Um, so we don't even have to? a chair for you. Yeah. You should probably just not come in. So why don't you just go to division, and mm. we'll you know, we'll debrief you there for your the what you've done this morning. <laughs> uh, and Jack just says, "Okay, but don't hand Nina back to the FBI." And uh, George just like, "Okay, shut up, get out of the city." Uh, so he hangs why up. would they bring Nina to the completely destroyed like compromised CTU that has no actual working girders or internet well you know I guess they didn't destroy the interrogation room so (laughs) it's probably and if like the building collapses and it kills her I guess that's probably fine or it like collapses and kills everyone else and she just gets out she just walks out no big deal Um, that was her plan all along (laughs) I mean she does seem to be it's like the Joker yeah she told him where to place the bombs, right here, here, and here. The room will be fine, and then and exactly for two hours, it'll all collapse, and I'll walk out. There's Goddamn a cell phone trigger villain. in someone's <laughs> tummy outside. Um, so yeah, George hangs up and then instructs Michelle Dessler to get ready for Nina's arrival, and Michelle immediately recognizes Nina Myers as the former CTU agent who murdered Jack's wife. And is appropriately concerned about this turn of events. And uh, we got a tiny clock. It is 12.04. And we cut to the NROC and we see David Palmer, the president, receiving a briefing about the nuclear threat in L.A. And uh, some army officer says that they have narrowed it down to six likely areas of L.A. to explode. And he highlights to start L.A. Harbor and downtown, which I guess if I was going for max casualties, I'd probably go for downtown and not... The harbor. Can I say it, Kush? Yeah, please. Try to bomb the harbor. Nailed it. Yep. <laughs> I mean, as soon trying, as you said, can I say it? It's like, oh, I know what he's going to say. If you're trying to cripple LA, though, you know, you yeah. might go for the harbor. That's fair. Maybe. But then you don't really uh, need a nuclear weapon for that, I guess. No. Uh, you, I mean, you'd go for, like, the airport or. I don't know, like an, an area that actually contained utilities? Like, uh, you know, we're in the middle of a of an NFL football game in L.A. You'll kill, like, at least six or 700 people. <laughs> yeah, we talk about them Chargers or them Rams, bro. Rams, you're getting maybe maybe 5,000, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'll get you done. How about? So you're good. 
I meant to talk about this earlier. Just, I'm going to, yeah, fuck, we're going to interrupt Wait, this episode. Let's do this. So I saw a tweet that uh, they're thinking about uh, rebooting 24 as a anthology show similar mm-hmm. to American Horror Story. And the first season would be about a, um, a female lawyer who uh, put a man away for jail and then discovered that he was innocent. And then she has 24 hours to prove him innocent, uh, like it, like in a conspiracy uh, which like I'm fully on board for them exploring like other than Jack Bauer and terrorist threats. Just like an anthology show for 24 sounds pretty rad, actually. And I kind of want one to be like a kindergarten teacher who just has like a really shitty kid in her class, and just for <laughs> like a full day just has to deal with that little bastard. Now I am, and that's 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 it's actually funny. I like that. Mm-hmm. I am a fan of the anthology show. Yeah, I like I like horror story, even though. Every time I watch it, I turn to my wife and I ask, um, who who's that really? I, I, I ask every time I talk to my wife, I, I ask who hurt Ryan Murphy. I, <laughs> I need to know the stuff that comes out of, the, out of this guy's mind. It's like, who, who, who did it? Who did it, baby? Who hurt you? And um, where, where exactly? Yeah. Just where, where did they touch? I, God, man, shit. You know, where, where disturbing. on the Jack Bauer action figure did they, <laughs> did they hurt you? <laughs> yeah. I just want to make it because so American crime, American crime was also very good. Um, as an anthology series, so it's are they going to try to keep it as twenty four, where some bitch is going to get shot, or is it going to be just one day in a in a one shitty day in a, in a random life? Which, I don't know. I, I either way, I mean, it's interesting. It's just it's just is it twenty four if it's just you know a bad day? I kind of hope it all builds on like each season is like it's not just I, I could deal without the the same characters coming back and forth and doing stuff, but like if it like. Each of the stories are somehow building. I don't know. I, I could be interested in that, but I like the the idea of exploring other like fields of work in twenty four hours. That's 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 interesting to me. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. The one thing about like the anthology series that's a problem, like, like with American Horror Story, for instance, is you essentially just wait for the other actors to show up. Your favorite actors, like I'm sitting there all the time, being like, "Where's Lily Rabe? I, I need to see her immediately. <laughs> She's my favorite." Um, and then okay, we got we got a Paulson. That's good. All right, we're okay. We're we're doing well. But somebody's hiding. I know, I know you're coming. <laughs> you know, so you're like, do you want the same the same actors and the same characters? It, it could be I know fun. There's a goddamn we'll clown walking around here somewhere. I just don't Fucking, know when it's going to show up. Oh, worst clown, worst clown. Okay, don't. Well, do yeah, it, that's. Do oh, Michael. That gone. sounds cool. Michael's left. He's gone. We lost him. He's tired of us talking about anthology shows. I get it. I get that. There was a weird beeping sound coming from somewhere, but I'm not sure where it coming from oh, but shit. it stops it's, so i can't it's, find it's it it's clown get the fuck out get out oh, get out run nope out of there go. nope right now all right well i guess i'll just see what time. happens yeah uh, we're gonna see something behind him and be like nope <laughs> he, he got oh god now pennywise is on our show okay <laughs> <laughs> well back to and this i'm your episode. third host <laughs> jack power super fan pennywise <laughs> Well, back to this dumb episode. Um, so as David is getting this briefing, um, which seems like sometime like he would not want to be interrupted, Lynn Kresge uh, walks over and interrupts him to quietly advise him that uh, of the arrival of a foreign ambassador and his ranking intelligence officer. And I have to assume this is the ambassador of Afghanistan, question mark, that <laughs> I don't, David I don't was know. on the phone with earlier. And <laughs> ambassador of Middle East. Yeah. <laughs> So David hears this and says, okay, well, I want all new intel that we have on second wave, the terrorist group allegedly behind this uh, nuclear bomb threat. 
And then he asks about someone named Roger, who Lynn says is upstairs and is being briefed about Eric Rayburn's dismissal. So I'm just kind of assuming they had an extra head of the NSA lying around Oregon just waiting to be called off the bench. Um, So he's upstairs. Um, And we cut to the hospital and we see Kim Bauer. Uh, She's waiting in a hospital corridor. And this is a very scenic hospital, I guess. You can just see all, all the exits and entrances. And two policemen pull up outside and she just assumes that they're there for her and she starts moving down the hallway and pretty much starts running. But she knew the police were coming. Why was she just hanging out there in the first place? Yeah. Because she's Kim. Yeah. Um, So she starts to run and she's just about to go through a doorway. And what does she hear? Oh, God. Fucking. I'll tell you. Fucking Gary. It's it's fucking Gary. I actually have it's fucking Gary in my notes. Um, (laughs) And he just says, everything's going to be okay, Kim. And she turns around startled. And uh, Gary says that he promises to tell the police that his accusations of kidnapping were just for funsies if she agrees to just leave now or he'll have her arrested for kidnapping. And this is I don't this is just dumb. So Kim asks where Carla is and Gary just says, "Eh, that doesn't matter. It's going to be obvious that you were the one who hurt her, which. I don't really know how that's obvious. Uh, when she has the, unhealed wounds from before Kim even knew like who she was. months ago. Yeah. yeah. And he says, well, the only thing that can be proved is that you took Megan without our permission. And uh, Kim just says, well, Carla will testify that Gary's been <laughs> abusing both of them. And Gary ain't having that. And he just warns Kim to stay away. And then, like, basically offers Kim his cell phone to call Carla and see what she says. Uh and like this all sucks so basically kim just sort of uh, like hesitates and looks like she wants to run and gary just says stay away from me and my family and don't ever come to my house again and kim runs out the door what i don't understand is why kim doesn't just leave and then just let jack take care of this asshole like he works for the government all he has to say is like this dude tried to tried to hurt me and he's gonna hurt this little girl can you please do something about this, Daddy? Well, luckily, Kim has Kim has a better secret weapon up her sleeve. <laughs> oh God, damn it, Miguelito, who will show up in a couple minutes. <laughs> I, just, I just I just realized, by the way, that we never actually said that Megan had been kidnapped. Oh God, <laughs> kidnapped four Yeah, we didn't. That's an oversight on our part. It just I hate her. I hate Kim so much. What do we think? Yeah, where do we think Carla is? Because at during last episode, she was about Michael, to head to the hospital, and and Gary kind of intercepted her. But Michael, like, why would care. he let her out of his sight? I don't, I don't care. It's a goddamn yeah. lifetime movie, and I don't want to be here anymore. Like, I just, I just want it to go away. Somehow, Carla care. is like the grand Kim. <laughs> like, she's just, like Carla's just Kim Prime. Carla might <laughs> like, be Kim. I wonder if hey, if you kill Carla, does Kim die? <laughs> Is Carla the source of Kim's power? <laughs> it's possible, it's possible. guys, because they possible. look exactly the same. Like it's just it, here's like I get that they have to show that Kim is in danger because maybe that's going to affect how Jack works moving forward. But no. there's a nuke in L.A. I don't give a fuck about Kim being stupid and stuck there. <laughs> I hey, just hey, don't. Bu- hey, bud. Yeah. I know I say this a lot. I know. I've got bad news for you. <laughs> 
<laughs> First of all, we get a tiny clock. It's 12.07. Please take a drink. Um, we see David Palmer. He's on the phone with uh, his chief of staff, Mike Novick. And he's talking about strategy when uh, Roger, who we learned his last name is Stanton, arrives uh, down the elevator into the end rock. So um, Palmer escorts him into his office where they discuss the response to the CTU attack and Eric Rayburn withholding information. And he, Stanton just says, I can't tell you how disturbed I was with Eric's decision regarding CTU. There may be criminal charges. And we learned that there are now 29 dead. In yeah. And yeah. then David yeah. says the weirdest fucking thing I've ever heard. Lay it on me. I don't, you know I don't mean to meddle in your rice bowl. <laughs> what in the that, shit does that, that even mean? <laughs> is that a phrase that people... Not- is that in common usage? That's not a phrase... That doesn't make any sense. He's like no. mixing metaphors with, but metaphors that don't actually exist. Like they're, these aren't idioms that exist that he's mixed together, like idioms that exist only in his head. Yeah. So it's weird. So metal I in your voice, like, but what is, so Michael, you know, or any, any listener who has heard our other show trends in low places knows that I have for years been trying to inject the phrase tuna restless into comic lexicon Uh and with with no success whatsoever i feel like somebody one of the writers in 24 just had this like they've had this kicking around for years and they're just like they finally made it they you know they went they've got their harvard degree got hired as a writer on the hit show 24 and they're like hey what about rice bowl (laughs) meddling in your in your rice bowl and what would that look like it's just like you just like grab your fork and just Start digging around in somebody else's rice bowl? I guess so. Hey, uh, bro, I mean, quit meddling in my rice bowl. I mean, you guys, I want you to think about something really fast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? If, if you think about this, for a lot of these folks, David Palmer may be one of the only black guys these folks know. It's fair. Um, is this, is of, this the people that, of, the, of the people that you know who have been able to introduce Lexicon into our group of friends, who, who's the main one who's done it? I'm not going to deign. Any, I'm not going to dignify that with an answer. <laughs> I I think you're you're trying to get me to say you, but really, okay. But does, I, does, does, I does the believe. crew not say NBDZ? We do say that. Damn it. We, did that. <laughs> we also say well, like Bear doing how about, things. How about how about how about booming timing? Yeah, I say that all the time. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, yeah. Big Bear doing things. I definitely got to say Tasm because that I've, means that means almost nothing. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Uh, so I, after I did hear that line, I did look it up on Urban Dictionary, which apparently Rice Bowl has its own entry. Um, so in the military, a term used to describe someone else's turf or territory, literal or metaphorical, with an implication that the owner is unreasonably defensive about it. So I guess I feel like it's to, racist. Um, well, it's a little uh, racist. It is. Definitions three, four, and five are pretty, yeah, pretty racist. Um. <laughs> <laughs> which not uncommon for urban dictionary um but yeah no i i'd never heard that phrase and david just trotted it out there like uh, mm-hmm. it was nothing well, i'm gonna start using it there it is see and uh, to go, be fair you go, go put that pussy on the chain wax <laughs> put the pussy on the on chain, chain wax, wax. <laughs> noise I mean, to be fair of all the things i would want someone to meddle in like you guys can't get in my rice bowl. That's my rice bowl. That's a very personal dish. Like, you can't really sample a rice bowl. Why that's, not? That's mine. Because it's stuff. You got the chopsticks and everything. It's just messy. 
Give me a little bit of your rice bowl. Yeah, dude. why, 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 why are you hoarding the rice bowl? Listen, if you wanted the spicy tuna, you should have fucking ordered it yourself. There's a lot of rice in the bowl, friend. You can mm-hmm. you can spare a bit. You can spare rice. Who wants to sample rice, though? You can you can, you can spare a maybe, kernel of rice. Maybe I didn't get rice, friend. Maybe I'm trying to get my keto going. I didn't get, but I want a little bit of rice. You got rice? Give it up. You get one. one Give me your rice, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be easy. I think. I think what would be better would be like, oh, don't. I, I don't mean to. I don't mean to slurp in your soup bowl, maybe, because that would yeah, be gross. That, that, right? God, yeah, that's oh, I am fuck. so uncomfortable hearing you say, <laughs> no, man. You know, come on, you don't. You don't soup it up with somebody. You don't take somebody else. Exactly. Soup. But yeah, like, that. I would share rice. I would be like, oh, you want a bite of this rice, and let somebody take a bite of the rice. I would not let somebody just slurp in my soup bowl. Yeah, that's true. I wouldn't. Man, it's the word slurp. Oh God. <laughs> Is anyway, that a, is, that, is that like a is that like a weird way of saying that you want to like you know bang Kim Jong Un? Like I don't you know I don't because I, I look at his haircut and I think of, I think of a soup bowl for some reason. Yeah, what are you up to, Mike? What's your angle? Yeah, what are you? What's going on, man? Do you guys want to talk about this dumb show? Oh fuck! There's yeah. a, yep. Mm-hmm. Let's just run show. through this stuff. People, people actually listen to us talk about this bullshit. Yeah, really. I mean, whatever. So, uh, Roger Sanders <laughs> says that there may be criminal charges pending against Eric Rayburn for withholding information. And David asks if he's caught up on everything going on today, which Stanton just like raises a like folder. Is like, yeah, I'm caught up. <laughs> <laughs> Got everything. <laughs> And Stanton says that he is concerned that David might be meeting with this ambassador and says that the U.S. has nothing to gain from meeting with him. To which David responds, well, we, what we have to gain is stopping a nuclear bomb. And Stanton counters with saying, this meeting only benefits the ambassador who can say to the world that we tried to stop the bomb. And this is just a ploy to gain access to the U.S.'s intelligence. Nothing more. Um, and David agrees that he might be right, but he still wants to meet with him. Um, so it's we got a tiny clock. It's twelve ten. Please take a drink. We cut to CTU where Michelle Dessler informs George <laughs> Curtis getting after it that they have backup agents arriving with the chopper carrying Nina Myers. Sorry, they have backup. Sorry, okay. Michelle Dessler informs George that they have backup agents arriving at CTU and that the chopper carrying Nina Myers has just taken off as and is en route to CTU. George orders them to set up a mobile video unit for the interrogation. And uh, a lot of things happen. Uh, Lori sends those instructions off. And then we see Jack enter CTU and Mason really isn't glad to see him. And he just says, George, or sorry, Jack, I'm not going to mince words here. Nina killed your wife. I'm not letting you near her. (laughs) To which Jack just says, well, my goal is the same as yours to stop this bomb. It makes sense that I do the debrief here because there's no information about the walled operation at Division, which technically there's no longer any information at at their office because they all got <laughs> blown up pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Division is like above the field office. Like, why would they not have been privy to the information? Because they didn't upload it to the servers. Yeah, the NSA. Yeah, but that's the NSA. Like, Division is in the same division. <laughs> yeah, technically. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things here, a lot of flimsy uh, logic, but everything about Jack's like defense for being here is just mostly I want to see the woman who killed my wife mm-hmm. and possibly mm-hmm. kill her. So yeah. you're gonna let me do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna need to roll up in that room, homie. That's- <laughs> <laughs> so George just kind of is like, okay, whatever, and just tells someone named Noel to uh, take Jack, and uh, Jack asks for. 
two agents named Ivers and Clark, and Mason says that they, dead. along with many other good agents, are dead. I already say you they did, Jack. I already say we did. Um, so Jack or George pulls Jack aside, just do us both a favor, finish and go. Uh, so Mason walks away. That's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) So Mason walks away and we see Paula Schaefer wake up under the administrations of the paramedic team and, uh, the chief paramedic or doctor, whatever, calls George over and says, well, you better finish fast. I don't know how much time she has. And what she said. Mm. Yeah. So George runs to her side and asks Paula for the decryption codes. And Paula is very much out of it. She can barely talk. Uh, and she, over the course of a couple minutes, tells them that she hid the code or stored the code in a subvolume in a partition called Etudes. And uh, Michelle Dessler finds it after a couple minutes. And George tells her that she just saved a lot of lives and then tells the doctor to get her out of her, get her to the hospital. They go about five feet before Paula flatlines. <laughs> and Michelle and George just stand there watching them work. And the paramedic turns, declares her dead, and then just stares George directly in the face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And stares, we cut to commercial. He stares straight into his soul. Yeah. And I tried to see if there was any sort of uh, anything special about her calling her like partition etudes. Uh, no, I thought there would be. No, yeah, it's a a musical composition that is especially difficult to learn. Mm -hmm. But it means it means study in French. Yeah, so I got nothing. Nothing at all. No significance at all. Yeah, that's okay. I did stumble into a uh, a thread, a comment thread. Uh, for the game, uh, shit, Rockmaster, the like a computer game where you learn to play guitar, where they were li- releasing DLC and had a a uh clue about what the song was going to be that they were uh releasing. Or, sorry, Rocksmith, uh, but the next song that they were releasing, and it was about a thousand comments long, and it was a picture of Nina Myers with three numbers repeating over her, and someone. Use the word etudes and Paula Schaefer to break the code about what the song was going to be. <laughs> I was like, damn it. Okay. I wanted more. Like, I got more information from this Rocksmith thread than I did about the, from the fucking showrunners. So that's a story you guys can on here. Um, so we come back from commercial. It is 1217 and we are at the Warner household and we Ooh. see Kate Warner and Ray Zanier return to their house. In the Thunderbird, and we see Bob Warner waiting on the porch, and Reza brings the lunch inside, and Bob asks uh, Kate, what'd you think of the house? Which Kate can't believe that he knew about. Yeah, I mean, does this some... He's, he told her that he wanted her to be the first one to see it, so mm-hmm. did Bob just hear about the house, and he hasn't wanted to see it yet? Sounds like Bob bought the fucking house and is letting Reza yeah. take credit for it. <laughs> I think Bob knew about the goddamn house, because Bob's a boss. Because um, c- clearly, Raisa can't do anything about stealing money from the fucking company. And being a for, terrorist. For terrorism, terrorism. obviously. Um, and so, God. So, Bob tries to, like, reason with Kate and say, hey, Raisa's on the level. And she's just like, well, it's not that I don't think Raisa loves Marie. But if he's doing things that are illegal, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. And Bob just still ain't having it. He says, you don't know that. Your guy Ralph is just a PI. He could probably connect me to the Manson family if he looked hard enough. 
And I'm then, just saying, Bob is not worried enough about the fact that his daughter might be marrying, at the yeah. very least, a criminal of some sort. So guys, guys, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it. Are you calling a shot here? Yeah, I, I think, I think, I think, I, I thought I liked Cool Dad at first. Mm-hmm. He's too cool. I think Cool Dad's a terrorist. Mm. Wow. Okay. You. So. Okay. So. There it is. You previously. Called Maria Terrace because her Texan accent was a little too. <laughs> sure did. I still don't like her. I still don't like her. I just don't she like did, her did. face. Yeah. Okay. So someone in the in the Warner family is a terrorist. Maybe everyone is terrorist, but like they don't know that the other one is a terrorist. It's just three cops trying to bust <laughs> each other. <laughs> I like your theorems. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ray's is actually the only one who's not a terrorist. The other ones are individual terrorists from different countries. That makes sense. Yeah, okay. that actually makes so, sense. Okay, so you think Papa Warner is? Uh, you think Pop Warner is a terrorist? You yeah, heard first, yeah. the founder of Pee Wee Football is yes, a terrorist. Definitely. Pop Warner um, is definitely a terrorist. So Tony pulling off, he's got imp- impeccable timing as always. As soon as Bob Warner says the PI could not possibly be right about Ray Sunayer being a terrorist, Tony pulls up in his uh, government issued car, steps out with uh, an agent Richards, and, some and sweet uh, says shades, some sweet shades. And you know, hey, we haven't really, we haven't talked about this. Tony shaved off the soul patch. He did. Mm-hmm. Can I say how much more credibility he has as a professional counterterrorism mm-hmm. unit, as an agent, as a as a human being without yeah. that soul patch? Oh yeah. He yeah. cleaned up. He, he looks- cleaned up pretty well too because he was. He was covered in soot and dirt. And soot. His hair was all mussed up. Oh, yeah. He, went, man, he, he clearly went home and took a shower in the 14 minutes between when he... No, you know what? Six minutes between him leaving CTU <laughs> and arriving at the house. Hey, he, Which... He, go ahead, Michael. Say now And now he tells everyone to call him Shades Almeida. Ooh. Because he's got those sweet David Crusoe shades. I was waiting for him to pull like a... Uh, <laughs> Say a stupid line for a cur- for a Crusoeism. I, I actually would have liked that. I will say in this episode specifically, people get around LA so fast. Yeah, like Miguel later shows up in a cab, calling a cab and arriving in four minutes. <laughs> it's impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tony walks up and says, "I'm here from the counterterrorism unit to talk to Raisin a year about quote a government matter." <laughs> And, um, <laughs> sorry, let me see. Oh, so, um, <laughs> Bob just tries to say, hey, Raisa is getting married to my daughter today, so maybe you could come back later. Um, and also, he doesn't really know anything about this, and Kate immediately blows that up. She's like, well, actually, that's not true. He did steal money from a company and is connected to a terrorist. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a cavalcade of stupid that comes out of Kate's mouth um, immediately. Yeah, she's just like, yeah, she's like, I think he's trying to whisper. I love it. She turns slightly to her dad and says, would I try to tell you he's connected to a terrorist earlier today? It's like, but bitch, when, he's right there. But when he first pulls up, he's like, hey, what's this all about? And Kate's like, I don't know what this is all about. He's like, Yes, you do. Ralph told you that he, t- he had called to call Homeland the, Security. Yeah. It's like, you knew this was coming. Yeah. At some point. It's like, I didn't think it would take an hour. Man, these government types really work fast when they hear about terrorism. <laughs> Weird. Thought it could be a week or two. Yeah. Um, so Tony just says, well, this can't wait. And I am authorized to interrogate Mr. Nair. So you can either take me to him or I can go into that house and find him. 
Yeah. <laughs> and Bob says that won't be necessary, and he sends Kate inside to go find Reza and oh, ask her what's going on. It's the stupidest fucking plan. And Tony just says, I hope Reza can help me with a national security matter. That's it. So Kate walks in and finds Reza in the kitchen unloading the lunch, and then just stands there with, like, the dumbest smile for, like, five seconds until mm. Reza is like, hey, Kate. What's going on? <laughs> Why the hell are you looking at me like that? You're and creeping like, me out. Some men from the government, from like the terrorism unit, want to yeah, speak to how, you. It's someone she suspects is a terrorist. And immediately what she says, while he's away from the government agents mm-hmm. with room to run in a kitchen with knives in it, is to say, the counterterrorism unit is here to talk to you. Mm-hmm. The fuck? Just, how about say, my dad wants to see you outside, Reza. Definitely no cops. No cops. This is an entrapment. Don't worry. Just go out there. It's fine. Jesus Christ. You forgot. You actually, you know, you forgot the breadsticks in the car. Could you go get those? Because I'm got to have the breadies, man. My my arms are very weak. I'm very slim. Um, So he's a little alarmed by this. And then he walks over to Kate and like puts his finger in her face and just says, you just make sure Marie doesn't find out about this. And then he walks outside to meet Tony and Agent Richards. And uh, or not outside. They walk to the front of the house and they take him into the dining room, close the doors. And uh, as they do, Kate turns around looking a little worried and the door down the hall swings open and we see her sister Marie having her wedding dress adjusted just hours before the best day of her life is set to begin. And we get a tiny clock. It is 1221. Please take a drink. Guys, I hate this episode. Uh, So we cut back to the Enrock, and David Palmer is now speaking with the ambassador, who assures him that his country has apprehended and interrogated a big four members of Second Wave. (laughs) And the intelligence officer with the ambassador, who appears to be maybe 14 years old, uh, says that they're doing everything possible to clamp down on terrorist activity, to which Roger Santon pulls out some satellite photographs of various second wave compounds in his country and says doesn't look like you're clamping down on shit <laughs> yeah i got i got pictures that say otherwise yeah oh boy yeah but you know then the the security guy gives him the old what about what about your shit you don't know where yeah. everyone is in your in your country is like yeah but mm-hmm. yeah our guys aren't traveling uh so yeah it says we don't have the resources you do plus you can't tell me you know where every paramilitary camp in the u.s is and so the ambassador builds on that and just like, yeah, we'd really like to just have you exchange your information, your intelligence with us. And then we'll tell you what we know about the nuclear attack on the United States. Well, the great um, thing was that after he says you don't know where every paramilitary compound is in the United States, they all shoot each other a look like, does this bitch know that we're, we're the NSA? Right. Like we yeah. literally know where everyone is. Yeah. Yeah. We know all the shit, yeah, we, but we just don't need to tell everybody <laughs> where all the shit is. Thanks. Yeah, it's like, you might not be looking at them nonstop. I was like, yeah, they kind of, like, I've seen Enemy of the State. If they can mm. find Will Smith, they're going to find you. Okay? <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Um, and so basically the ambassador says, like, listen, if if this attack goes off, our country's way dead. Um, so we need your files on Second Wave, which... I guess just, like, give him fake shit? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I'm not giving you all the shit. Because, essentially, can you tell us what you know of the terrorists so we can tell the terrorists what you know? Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, no. How about no? Yeah, so this is all... <laughs> so, so, they adjourn. So, David and Roger walk out of the room with Lynn Kresge. And David says, well, I'll think about it and get back to you. And then he sends him to a side room. 
And then David, as president of the United States, has to ask the downside of giving open access to intelligence to a hostile nation who may or may not be supporting terrorists. (laughs) And Stanton correctly says, well, we can't give them anything because we could expose agents that the U.S. has in that nation. And rather than, like, suggesting anything else, David says, well, we could remove the agents or just remove information about those agents from these files. And Stanton, again, correctly says, this is a dangerous precedent that you don't want to set. Yeah. Um, And first, to be frank, I don't trust them. And I'm pretty sure they're actively supporting second wave of the terrorist group. Mm Mm-hmm. And he, David asks Lynn Kresge what she thinks, and she says, yeah, I think I think Roger's right. And David just kind of nods and uh, flash flash forward 20 minutes. And David is completely disregarding everything that everyone's ever said and giving them information. Yeah. and <laughs> God, David. Yeah. OK. You idealistic sure motherfucker. I'm sure it's all going to work out because what the fuck it do. But um, we cut the CTU. We get a tiny clock. It's 1225. And I'm just going to kind of jump through because we're already 41 minutes through. Um, so we see Jack working on his debrief when he gets a call from Kim, who quickly asks him if he was at CTU when the bomb hit. And he assures her that he wasn't. And um, Jack just says, hey, get the fuck out of town and go to Aunt Carol's, please. Like I told you to four hours ago. And Kim says, well, I can't do that because of Megan and the Mathesons. And Jack says, you got to let it go because it's not safe in L.A. And Kim just says, Dad, tell me. So he tells her that there's a nuclear bomb, which is probably the worst thing that he could do. Oh, my God. Yes. On an open phone line, first of all, but then on on an open Kim. On an open Kim. Don't don't tell Kim anything. Right. Like, he can't can't just be like, hey, uh, Kim, I work for the counterterrorism fucking unit. If I'm telling you to get out of L.A., it's probably for a good... Have I ever told you to leave L.A. before? In, like, the fucking 18 years you've been alive, have I ever told you to leave L.A.? Right. I think I think Jack's missing a key point of parenting here. Um, y- You should love your child unconditionally, right? And he does love Kim unconditionally. But on top of that, know your child's limitations, <laughs> okay? Just know what they can and can't do. Your daughter is a fucking moron, Jack. Mm-hmm. Tell her mm-hmm. nothing sensitive. And just say, continues to say, Kim, just get the fuck out. Or tell her, hey, Kim, I found Rick, and he really wants to talk to you when I send him to Aunt Carol's house. <laughs> oh, my oh, God, shit. Dad, I can't believe it. I'll be there right now. Yep, there's fucking Kim going. He, That's he, easy. He his horrible, horrible <laughs> cocaine habit. He's just, he's <laughs> up there waiting for you. And so Kim's first response to learning there's a nuclear bomb is to say, okay, I'll leave, Dad. But yeah, <laughs> but I can't leave without me. So you're just going to just kidnap like legit kidnap a nine year old now. And then what be be her mom when yeah. her mom and dad blow up in a nuclear blast in L.A. Yeah. Like you're now the legal guardian. <laughs> that's not how that's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. Doesn't so, Kim's mind. So, guys, usually in my notes, I'm pretty good about um about finishing this thought. So. Jack says he's going to meet her at Aunt Carol's as soon as she's as soon as he's done at CTU. He tells her not to tell anyone about this because they can't start a panic. <sighs> and then in all caps, I wrote, then then what does Kim say with nine A's? And usually I'm pretty good about writing down what Kim says, but I didn't hear. Does anyone know what Kim says? 
I'm sure it was something very stupid. I, I don't know what she says because I didn't write it down. No, on, let me. Oh, I just wrote Kim is totes gonna fuck this up, so she must have yeah. said something that implied that she was gonna tell everybody. Yeah, yeah I just I, put damn it, Jack, don't tell fucking Kim. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. really it. We're gonna, hey, fuck it, we're gonna do it live. <laughs> Paula dead, Paula dead, Paula dead, Paula's really dead. Okay. Only as soon as you get there. Okay. Uh, Dad, I love you. Ooh, there it is. Yeah, she said Kim I love says, you. I love you. The three worst words anyone can say in this 24 universe. Yeah, but we, we we know that neither one of them is gonna die because Kim's the Highlander and Jack is, you know, 24. Jack. Right. It worries me that Megan Matheson is gonna die a gruesome, <laughs> gruesome death, though. <laughs> Which all things considered, I don't want a second, like mini Highlander. Yeah, sometimes I mean, even in the Highlander series, his apprentice died. So, you know, shit happens. Yeah, that's true. All I know is someone's going to die because Kim said the words that mm-hmm. she said. And I, I know we haven't met Miguel yet, but it's probably going to be him. <laughs> oh, Miguel's dead. Oh, yeah. Miguel's uh, yeah, defo going to die. There's no questions about that. You cannot mind, be but... you cannot be introduced in like the fifth episode as the boyfriend of Kim and expect to live. Mm-mm. Especially with that mop-headed haircut. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, dude. Cool leather jacket. Um, so Jack oh, returns to Oh, and the fucking his... leather wristband. Oh, I didn't oh, even notice fuck. that. Yeah, it was. Uh. It was the early two thousands, yo. Yeah, that's true. He didn't have a puka shell ne- necklace though. <laughs> so, um, so Jack walks back to his desk, and we see both Michelle and George watching them. And Mason nods at Michelle, and she goes over to offer her help on Jack's debrief. And he says, "Listen, I know that what you're doing is just trying to get me to leave. Take my advice." Don't get caught between me and George. Mm-hmm. And as he oh, says what that, I, what I wrote was bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, bitch. So as he says that, um, we see Nina Myers walk in in chains, surrounded by agents, and everyone starts noticing. And Jack notices people noticing, and slowly turns around to see the woman who killed his wife. She walks through CTU and sees hit. Sees him out of the corner of her eye as she walks past, and like she doesn't react at all, which is kind of impressive. Yeah, she's fucking and Jack cold, looks, man. Jack looks mm-hmm. visibly distressed by seeing Nina. All the feels went yeah. to Jack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's pissed. So we cut to commercial at twelve twenty eight. We come back. It is twelve thirty two, and we see George Mason enter an interrogation room with Nina, and he uh, says what we already know, and says, "So it wasn't just the Drazens you sold to assassins to everybody." And he asks where Nina, where the bomb is. And she just immediately says, here are my terms. They're non-negotiable. I need a full presidential pardon for all my intel. And I'll work with someone in the field. And uh, <laughs> we got one of George's pretty good lines here. He just says, you're not buying a used car. You have to work within the <laughs> confines of reality here. You won't get anything without results. Which Nina says she will get. And I don't understand why they don't just, George is like, um, how about this? I'm going to tie you to a light pole in downtown LA that, and see what happens. Yeah, Thank right. You. That was me. I'm just going to leave you here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, do do you, homie. Yeah. I, I just thought, I mean, just be like, okay, well, then I guess I'm going to let Jack come in. I mean, right? Something yeah, tells me He's that, already watched one dude get murdered today. Yeah. So. And, like, and like, also, George is dead. <laughs> like, George is dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At this point. Mm-hmm. What does he care if Jack roughs her up? Yeah, like, I, don't, I honestly don't know why George doesn't just be like, "Hey, Jack, yeah, do your thing." Yeah. I guess 
Coach Coach was probably it was probably in the script, but let's not forget that these actors are married. He couldn't take it. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, that is a good point. I, I I don't know. Were they married here in season two or he after? Was, he was thinking about it. He yeah. was thinking. Yeah, they were probably <laughs> at least. He was like, no, I can't let you do that. They're probably it's in the script. It's in the script. It's in the script. Xander. Mm. It's my lady friend right there. I like her though. Hmm. <laughs> Pretty cute. Uh, um, they were so married he, in two thousand two. So. Right after this season, then probably they was, so. They was fucking. Yeah, they so were already fucking. They they were they were definitely fucking. <laughs> I don't know if they were married yet or not, though. Hmm. Wow, sinful. Um, so George leaves the room to go call Ryan Chappelle to ask about this presidential pardon, and as he's on the phone, Jack walks over and asks if Nina's going to help, which George just refuses to answer. And uh, is it here where he says, "Jack, I'm no, no, never mind, sorry." So George just refuses to answer in one of like his many just like just just ignores Jack, which is kind of a power play, which I really enjoy. <laughs> so he walks away to speak to Chappelle, but he starts coughing, which Jack like hears and like spins around and just stares at him. And in one of those classic 24 flashes of insight, he realizes that G Mace is dying somehow. But like he has no reason to think that. That George Mason would be dying. He doesn't know that he went out to to. He didn't even know he left. He didn't know he went to and, a lead. He didn't know there was plutonium found somewhere. He doesn't. He doesn't know any of this. For some reason, he finds the cough suspicious, which is like, <laughs> right, like very and, odd. And they show G Mace with a white handkerchief. There's no blood on the hanky. He didn't like cough up just a big wad of lung, and it just oh, also they're cough, in a building that just dough. fucking blew up. There is smoke and debris and everything everywhere yeah but so for some reason this cough when I mean, we've heard people coughing throughout the last two episodes for th- this one is oh that's it mm. and maybe it's just that jack knows a death rattle when he hears it because <laughs> he's caused so fucking many of them is it is, sounds- is, is jack death <laughs> here it comes oh, that sounds just Reaper. that sounds just like the cough the guy got when i uh injected him full of plutonium in yemen That sounds just like the cough where I threw plutonium in some man's face and then sat there and watched him die for six straight days. Oh, boy. That brings back memories. Mm. So we My get a honeymoon. <laughs> Me and Terry killed a man. Just to watch him die. Man, Cabo was nuts. Um <laughs> <laughs> so we get a tiny clock. It is 1235. Uh, please take a drink. Uh, we see Tony at the Warner dining room table questioning Ray Zanayir about his responsibilities as CFO of Warner Enterprises. And Ray says, sort of answers and then just says, you might have noticed I'm getting married today. I'm going to go ahead and leave. And Tony says, eh, sit down. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Tony's really swinging that thing in this episode. And he asks Reza about Syed Ali. And Reza says, I've never met him, and I don't know that name. And Tony just spins Reza's computer around and says, well, then why is he in your personal computer files? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Reza just stares at the computer and then up at Tony and says, I don't know why that name is there. Mm-hmm. And Tony just spins the computer back around and says, mm-hmm. let's start again. Tony's not cool dad, it. Cool dad, fuck you. Cool, he fucked you hard. Cool dad, fuck you. Um, so we get another tiny clock, and it's 12.36, and outside the dining room, um, let me see, beep, 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 okay, outside the dining room, Bob asks Kate where Marie is, and she says, well, she's still working on her dress, and Bob walks over to Agent Richards to ask how long Razor will be questioned, which Richards can't really answer. Um, so Kate just says, can we really go forward with this? <laughs> with the wedding? 
<laughs> it's in less than six hours. Ray's has literally been, he's been being questioned for maybe like 10 minutes at this point. Yeah. And she's tops. like, nah, we got to call this shit out. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to go. I mean, really. Let's just also, cut our losses. Also, so the wedding's supposed to be at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, Kate's getting her dress like refitted probably three no, hours before she has to be in it. Yeah, Is that how weddings work? Yeah, she's doing some last minute alterations. Um, Rachel, Rachel actually did not uh, try on her dress for the last time until like two hours before the wedding because okay, she had her she had a, a dress fitting a couple days before and uh, it, it was not right. So they had Trish, to funny it. story. My sister in law sewed a, a, did a stitch job on my tux mm-hmm. an hour before I got married. Shit happens, you know. Yeah, man. Fair and, enough. And, okay. and clearly she has a day. she. Yeah, she clearly she has a someone to do that shit like on site. So yeah. it makes sense. Oh, interesting. Yeah, sorry. It's the things I don't learn as a groomsman. Womp <laughs> <laughs> womp. Um, so Bob once again asks Kate to ensure that. Marie doesn't find out what's going on and stays away from these people, which, hey, spoiler, does not happen. Um, so we real quick cut to the NROC where Palmer is asking Roger Stanton to monitor how the ambassador uses the intelligence files, which David has apparently given them open access to. Um, Stanton reiterates that he's very concerned about this, but Lynn assures them that in, oh, nine minutes, they have deleted all sensitive information from their intelligence files. Control, on, uh, control F, agents. control h find and replace agents with clowns was his name jones or johnson fucking i don't know i don't know boy (laughs) um hmm. Hmm. (laughs) sorry replace with burt macklin um so a secret service agent walks over and interrupts david with a call from Chappelle, informing Palmer that Nina has demanded a full presidential pardon, and uh, David hears that, and we cut to CTU where Jack has just completed his debrief, and he hands the file to Michelle and walks away, but then he just stops and stares, uh, daggers, at the room holding Nina Myers, which is guarded by two officers. Am I the only person who every time they say the name Chappelle... You picture Dave Chappelle Chappelle in your head. No. Chappelle show. I sing that song in my head. Okay. (laughs) Just making sure. Yeah. And I... Yeah. I I wish it was Dave Chappelle. Like, it would make the show infinitely, like, Dave Chappelle, CTU, like, agent. Well, they never show Chappelle, so we could just assume that it is Dave Chappelle now. They showed Chappelle last season. No, I'm saying, like, they haven't shown him this season. Like, it could be just, like... A new Chappelle? Right, like, this is a new new Rayburn, Rayburn, right? This is a different Chappelle. It's Dave Chappelle now. Then you just see, see him going, all. Oh. It's oh. 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 talking about all. Oh. Run. <laughs> Red rocks. <laughs> um, so you can basically see Jack doing the math about killing everyone between <laughs> him, like in front of and behind that door. And Michelle walks up behind him and just says, I'm supposed to get you out of here. That's not going to happen, is it? Mm-hmm. And Jack... Um, just says it's the first time I've seen her since, and he just trails off. And Michelle says, "Why are you doing this to yourself, Jack? Mason is right. You should leave." And then the phone rings behind them, and uh, Michelle picks it up and hands it to Jack. And it's David Palmer calling to thank him for all of his service and to tell Jack that he intends to grant Nina Myers a shadow asylum and a secret pardon that no one will know about. And she'll be deported to another country. Mm-hmm. And it was a painful decision. And he wishes there was another way. But she can help us find the bomb. 
and Jack's just going to have to deal with it. He does say, I promise to you that eventually we'll make it right. Which implies to me that he's saying, like, look, after we figure this shit out, I'll deport her to a country, I'll know where she is, and then I'll let you go kill her. Yeah, I won't tell you where she's at. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'll send her to maybe, uh, I don't know, Kosovo. Yeah. Just give me, like... a little secret mission. Just give me, like... You know how those go. 24 (laughs) hours, Jack, and then, like, then you can go kill her. Toast. I, mean, I actually would have been fine if that was what happened, and then season three was just Jack hunting down. Oh, Nina, that would have been good. Step by step. Yeah. That sounds dope. Yeah. He do deserve to die. It could <laughs> be that, Curtis. Cool. You don't know yet. I don't. I don't know. Um, I just I just want this stupid season to be over at this point. But Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're, hey, bud, we're five hours in. <laughs> Buckle up. It's all, almost wrapped up. So uh, he hangs up, and Michelle can just pretty much tell on the look on Jack's face that Oops, <laughs> Nina's going away. Um, so we cut to commercial. It's twelve forty. We come back. It's twelve forty-four. We cut to a very shitty recording studio where a phone rings and some mop-headed tool bag turns around and picks up the phone. And hey, it's Kim calling her new boyfriend Miguel. Uh, she shockingly says she's in trouble and needs help with Megan. And Miguel reluctantly agrees. I'm just going to run through this because it's dumb. Yeah. Miguel reluctantly agrees to leave his session to come <laughs> to come help her. So hey, guys. More kidnapping. Mm. Sorry, Kim napping. Mm-hmm. And um, back at CTU. Kim definitely has a type, though. She does have a stoner dropout, high school dropout type. Um, actually, I guess Rick didn't drop out of high school because he did get into San Diego State. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Good point. The same things. Yeah. So we at CTU, we see George. What are you? What is back there? What is that? I don't care. Um, so at CTU, we see George enter the bathroom to take. Uh, he he walks to the sink, looks at himself in the mirror, and pops some anti anti nausea medication, hoping no one notices. But then all of a sudden, Jack walks in and angrily confronts him about Nina's pardon, and he says, "I want the case. I know how she thinks." And Mason wipes <laughs> you know his how hands. She fucks. I know that much. Hey, yeah. <laughs> He's like, "I'm not talking with you, Jack." Because you're not here right now. Then walks That's past. That's a dope line. It's, he's just the best. <laughs> but uh, as we see, as Jack sees, Mason left his anti-nausea medication on the sink. So outside, Michelle is working with the IT tech Kevin, and they finally manage to get CTU servers back up and running. And Michelle tells him to skip the virus checks, which... <laughs> Sure. Seems like a bad <laughs> choice, guys. Oh, God. I don't know what you're talking about, Kish. There, yeah. there couldn't possibly be a virus also planted in after someone told terrorists about our schematics and how to get into CTU. We're fine. We're totally yeah. good. Boot them bad boys up. Yeah. Let's so they, they get back online. And, oh, God. Curtis, is that some kind of... Is that some kind of Dan Brown novel? Is it, yeah, say, is it Angels there? and Demons? Or is it Angels and Demons or Inferno or whatever the other fuck... Da Vinci Code? What it are you is, working with back there? It is uh so so when you think of a deception point in <laughs> an in, in inter, an interesting yet flawed uh first story about a character Da Vinci Code and you get you but but then you get the sequel that just kind of didn't need to exist and brings in subplots you don't really care about. Paul Bettany is the self-flagellating monk. Sorry, that was pretty good. That's where you end up with season two of Twenty Four, and you end up with Angels and Demons. <laughs> Yeah, I, I see. I see what you've done here. Yeah, this I, I hit. I hit my peak at this point. Of I just want the Warners and Kim to go away. I just I don't need it. I don't care. I 
fuck him. I, I get the Warner's maybe a part of the subplot of the terrorism, but I don't need Kim. Hey, and Curtis, they're going to make me take Kim. I know they're going to make me take Kim. The Batman will that. continue to hurt you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't stop it. You can only hope to weather the storm. And here's the thing. like, So, this season is not making me happy. I'm sure it will have some good points in it. Just like uh, Angel of Demons had some okay points in it. Um, and I have not read nor watched Inferno. And I am trying my best not to do it. Did I probably will watch it no. one day because it's going to be on free TV. I'm going to watch it. Did he just put out a fourth Langdon book? I'm pretty sure he I don't did. care. Nope, I'm not how doing does, it. How does Dan, I saw a commercial for the, his next book. How does Dan Brown still pull commercials for his shit-ass books? Because people read them. People read fucking Fifty Shades of Grey. You think people won't read this shit? Hey, guys, don't read Dan Brown books. Here's the thing. I will say this. The the first, the Da Vinci Code had a National Treasure-like thing for me because it made yeah. me go Wikipedia crazy as I'm reading. It was kind of dope. <clears throat> but in the middle of Angel and Demons, I'm like, oh, this is this is just shit. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I want Natural Treasures to be, be run. I mean, that's, that should be all Nick Cage stars in from now on. Just do those and he's fine. That's the Cage. Can I say this? Um, he should have been in Angels and Demons and Da Vinci Code. Like, yeah, he, as a different... It should have been Nick Cage. <laughs> yeah, why want Tom you, Hanks? You want to replace Le Thomas Hanklesberry <laughs> with fucking Nick Coppola? <laughs> yeah. For this particular role, for these, yeah, yeah for these movies, yeah, a million so times, show. yeah. So are you kidding me? Like same hair as from National Treasure, because that's essentially what Tom <laughs> right. Hanks has in this movie. He just stole Nick Cage's entire look for this fucking film franchise. That's it actually been Nick Cage. He's in character as Nick Cage as Doctor Langdon. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, th- I think I think I think I think Tom wanted to do something a little different. I'm going to steal the Gutenberg press. <laughs> I don't know what they steal in, in Angels of Demons. I forget. Uh, some codex what? of bullshit. I don't know. What, what is it? Secret Bible stuff? There's a book in the in the. I'm going to steal the, the library, Dead Sea Scrolls. The, in the library of the, uh, of the Vatican, but I don't think it's the fucking... <laughs> okay, isn't that what Hudson Hawk was fucking about, too? Didn't they steal a book from the Vatican? Dude, I can't even remember Hudson Hawk. I remember, I remember parts Speaking of Hudson of Hawk. Speaking of bad haircuts, is this... Of Hudson Hawk? Is everyone who steals shit just have the same long, shitty haircut? Because I'm pretty sure... Hudson Hawk didn't have long hair. I think he did. If he, he had a bad hat, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, Fuck you, that hat was incredible. I liked that movie a lot. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're right, though. He was bald because it is Bruce Willis. He's yeah. very bald. Bruce Willis mm-hmm. in a Danny Aiello game? He, Hudson he Hawk's underrated. F- okay, I, for, fun. I love it. He did have four fucking earrings, though. Good God. Jesus Christ. Okay. Anyway, you guys want to watch Hudson? You want to do a Hudson Hawk podcast? <laughs> no. Yeah, let's, get, let's finish this stupid fucking episode. Well, that's fair. Our um, fan want to hear it. Okay. Do they, though? Okay. So, um, so as Michelle tells Kevin to skip the virus check, Jack approaches her and says, I need all records concerning George's whereabouts over the course of the morning, to which she says, you're not even remotely cleared for that. <laughs> you're not even, you don't even work here. You don't even work here. <laughs> and he says, I need to know if George is fit to run CTU because I think something happened to him. And by the way, I used to run this place. How does and Jack get up, people to do shit for him all, all the time? He's a mouse. Yeah, he's a bouse, and he's like, I'm just looking out for George's best interest. <laughs> to Michelle looks skeptical, but like... Also trying to find it. a way for me to kill Nina Myers. 
Yeah. So we get a tiny clock. It's 1247. Please take a drink. We cut back to the Warner household, oh, their favorite place in the world. Who cares? And we see Marie walking out. She hands her wedding dress to her assistant, Corey, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, Why is Reza Kate- in there? Oh, my God. I'm getting married. Oh, Kate. Oh, yeah. Kate's like, oh, so, I did everything. This, I didn't mean this, to. I totally did it, though. But my, oh, my favorite, I hate you so much. spoiled attitude. And then the, oh, I hate, oh, I hate so much. My favorite part of this is so Kate notices Agent Richards and asks where Reza is. And Bob and Kate can't really, sorry, Bob, yeah. Marie right. notices that Reza is in the room. She notices the agent, asks where Reza is, and Bob and Kate can't really explain. So Marie tries the the uh, privileged white girl banishment spell yeah. on the federal agent and says, "This is our house, and I want you out I'm of here." Drop. <laughs> Who introduced you to my house? Yeah, I do, I do kind of love when that happens, and it happens in so many TV shows. You need to move. What? No, <laughs> I'm actually like, federal like, part fucking of me, part agent. Of me, part of me wanted to see where it was just backhander right there, mm. just to see what would. Happen. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you don't have Curtis's Magic Universal Studios wand. You can't just, you know, get me out of here. Sorry. Dickbag Leviosa. <laughs> so Kate pulls her aside and says, hey, I know this looks bad, but I'm pretty sure Race is a terrorist and I hired a PI to look into him being uh, stealing money from the company. And I did it to protect you. Don't be mad, but it's totally all my fault. Yeah. Yeah, but then, so, so Marie says, you hired a PI? That's insane. Is it, though? Like, which, apparently, her dad also already yeah. did, which like, is Bob's main point. He's like, I already kind of crossed that one off the old list. You're fine. Like, I don't know about y'all, but my siblings and I have a pact where we got to meet, you know, the lady or man friend of, of everybody to make sure everything's okay and then give the, give the old 10-4. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, if my sister's like, I hired a PI and found this shit, I'd be like, you know what? You're out. That's fine. That makes sense. So, you know, uh, since did her due diligence, uh, so I guess you're done. You're done here. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I trust them more than I trust you, bro. It is what it is, man. So, man. Yeah, this is all dumb. So, Bob just assures <laughs> both of them that it's a misunderstanding, and we're still a family. And Marie says, Well, not anymore. Yeah. I want Kate out of the wedding. <laughs> and so, Kate apologized by saying, It was wrong of me to not tell you first before investigating your fiance. Not to do it, just I didn't tell you about it. And so Marie says, okay, I accept your apology. Now get the fuck out of this house. (laughs) (laughs) So they walk away and we cut to commercial at 12.50. We come back at 12.55 and we see a cab arriving with Miguel hopping out of the hospital. These people get around so fast. Miguelito. And Kim asks where Miguel's car is. And he's like, I gave it to Rob. Obviously. (laughs) Bob has it. And he's like, uh, what's up? And she says, he tells her all, or sorry, she tells him all about Megan's abuse and Gary's accusations and the threat of kidnapping. And to all of that, Miguel just says, she's Megan's probably fine at the hospital. No one's good. Gary can't hurt her there. And uh, Kim just says, well, it's too late to leave this to the police because one, my dad is a terrorist, like a counterterrorism agent. And two, there's a nuclear bomb in the city. And three, we have to kidnap Megan and take her out of the city. It took her 20 fucking minutes to tell somebody. Well, also, she's, also, she's like, hey, Miguel, 
we're going to kidnap this nine-year-old girl, <laughs> take her out of the city, and then when, when the bomb goes off and her mom and dad are completely dead. Now we have an orphan. Now, we, now we're parents. And Miguel's like, yeah, nah, I'm out. No, he I'm just not. He takes about. No, he's. Yeah, he, he's, he, he takes about seven it, seconds to fully get on board to be like, yes, I would love to save a stranger's nine-year-old child and become her new father. And now it's like, no, I'm going to go save my mom and my dog. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say this, guys. I know at this time, I think Kim's, what, 16, 17 years old, and this is wrong. But at the same time, that loving must be good from Kim Bauer. If this dude's willing to sacrifice everything he knows and loves, it'd be like, I'm with you, babe. Let's kidnap and get the fuck out of L.A. without anybody that I love from nuclear blast. Mm-hmm. Also, let's kidnap a child and then get away in a cab. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, God. I can tell Miguel is uh, a real hero and uh, <laughs> should be a real fun ride for the rest of the season. Um, yeah, Miguel should have noped immediately. That's what I would have been like. Yep. Nope. nope. <laughs> you don't know, young child. I'm I'm going to leave now. Yeah, I'm going to leave and go get my, go get my folks and uh, get the fuck out of L.A. Bye-bye. I'm going to go find Rob and we're going to leave town. Um, so we come back to CTU and we see George coughing as he climbs the stairs to his office where Jack is waiting. And uh, George just walks in and puts his back to him, and Jack just says, how long did they give you? I know you were exposed to high levels of radioactive materials at the lab. I found the meds. I made a few calls. You inhaled plutonium, George. And God, George's response is so good. She says, so? (laughs) And? To which Jack just says, so I'm not the only one who shouldn't be here today, which is pretty solid um yeah except jack i mean george is doing doing his his job job yeah for once actually Mm -hmm. i guess um but so jack says i just want to know your plan for nina and uh george says well she's going to tell us everything she knows once they get palmer's signature on her pardon and jack says i need to be nina's handler i know how she thinks he says it again and george says forget it jack i'm dying i'm not crazy you and nina together is a recipe for disaster and again, I don't know why this work works at all, but Jack just says, maybe it is, but if you don't give me access, I'm going to call district and have you replaced in five minutes. So let me do it and find this bomb. And George just says, okay. <laughs> yeah, gives a fuck. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of get it. Like, George doesn't want to spend the last, you know, the last hours of his, of his life, I guess. Uh, you know, he wants to try and save L.A. at this point. He's trying to find the bomb, and he's like, you know what, fuck it. I don't even give a shit anymore, as long as... He's like, Jack is unconventional. You know, he murders people in cold blood and cuts off their heads, but, like, maybe he found the bomb, too? I mean, in season one, he says... He he said something, he's like, I'm not the biggest fan of the guy, but you can't argue that he gets results. Exactly. Which it seems like he's, like, earlier... I mean, even here... It seems like he's forgotten that or, like, doesn't want to deal with Jack's bullshit, but also just, like, doesn't want to go through the bureaucratic hassle <laughs> of, like, having to go home. Like, I think, still fill out wa- I think he still wants to work. Well, thing is, I think he wants to die on the job. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I don't mm-hmm. think he wants to be on the sidelines or, like, leaving the city or doing anything. So I think, like, he, he doesn't want to leave the game. And I guess he's willing to deal with Jack's bullshit for a couple more hours. But here's the thing but, that doesn't make any sense. He was... On the job, when he was exposed to the plutonium, there was a hazmat team that came in, clearly knew about the plutonium because they sent it to a lab. 
They knew that he was exposed to it, and the doctor told him he was exposed to it. So clearly, there had to be a report that said, hey, George Mason from CTU, totes got lots of plutonium all up in and around his face and lungs region. He's probably going to die. <laughs> I feel like District should already know this. Michael, the servers are down, though. I don't know. I don't even remember that. <laughs> The report hasn't come through the wire yet. They've been faxed the faxes, it over. The faxes came in a little bit. Mason gonna dead, y'all. Yeah. Just so you know. Just, yep. I already say you, he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was, this wasn't a secret mission that he was on that, like, no one knows he was exposed to it. Like, literally everyone knows. That's what happened. So, so, Jack, Jack called a vision and they're like, I need to find out about George Mason. Oh, he did. <laughs> what? That's no, another thing. Like... <laughs> Just to very clearly at CTU, like, or when the terrorists were leaving CTU, we heard them listen to, like, the emergency channels. If hazmat teams got called to a warehouse where, where cops already were, and we're like, hey, there's probably nuclear material there, everyone would fucking know about that. Yeah. There would be, like, that place would have been swarming with reporters. Right? Because, like, yeah. they would have had to, it would be like, oh, there's a hazmat team. There was an incident. They've completely quarantined it. There would be people everywhere trying to figure out what was going on. We found it. Guys, That's we, it. We did it. We found it. Oh, man. This show's falling apart around us. <laughs> we get a tiny clock. It is 12.58. We cut back to the Enrock where Lynn Palmer is briefing Palmer about the ambassador's itinerary and his plans for the intelligence reports. And David asks her to set up a conference call with the Joint Chiefs so he can talk them through the intelligence transfer, which... He's pretty sure they won't be happy with. <laughs> hey, by the way, we gave away all of our very sensitive information and I didn't tell you about it. Mm -hmm. It's probably fine. Um, so as he's saying that, he's interrupted by Roger Stanton, who walks in and turns on the TV to an internal feed from Fox News. And we see a helicopter spinning out of control <laughs> as a reporter gives a panic narration. And David says, oh, God, where's this? L.A.? Stanton says, no, it's right here. That's the ambassador's chopper. Crashed right after takeoff with no survivors. Mm -hmm. And David just stares at him and at Lynn without <laughs> speaking for about 30 fucking seconds and says nothing. And in a split screen, we see them watching the news feed. We see Kim and Miguel walk back into the hospital. We hear Reza yell at Tony to stop treating him like a criminal while Kate just like watches from outside the window. <laughs> And then we see Kevin finally turn on the video surveillance of Nina Meyer's holding room and he informs Michelle that they're ready. And Jack walks over and looks at the monitor and sees Nina staring straight back at him through the camera. And we cut to 1259. She's creepy as fuck, dude. Yeah. Very creepy. Yeah. It's just as she was walking in and in this, she doesn't actually turn her face towards the camera. Nah. It's all this like side eye, like creep ass bullshit that I don't care for what whatsoever. Yeah, okay, so what what the hell happened with the ambassador? Like, this seems very fishy. Well, well, no. A little fishy. No, no. So, so it's possible that the terrorists got what they needed. They have the intelligence that the U.S. has on second wave. And now they have killed the ambassador to say, you know, the U.S. either attacked our ambassador prematurely to let him or, or let him die or something like that. So that country has a reason to say, you know, bad shit happened. And now we have more reason to attack the U S or 
some other random bullshit. So it, it, it there is some subterfuge a coming about yon helicopter attack. You trust Roger Stanton? No. You know why? Was he in Law and Order? Because he was on Law and Order. He was. He was. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a shitty Rip Torn ripoff. That's what I I thought. I'm like, is that Rip Torn? Oh no, crap, Rip Torn. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, it's like it's like Tear Torn. Like, it's <laughs> <you know? laughs> The Rip Torn's name is like is is like both both you know the action verb, and then the, and the, <laughs> and the past participle. Yeah. No, see, I I thought I thought he looked more like a uh, poor man's. Um, who's the dude from John Wick? That runs the hotel. Oh, uh, oh my boy Ian. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you ain't. No, you ain't no. wrong about that. This no. is a shitty. This is a shitty rip torn. <laughs> hey guys, I gotta ask this question, and it may it may upset. I don't know if it's gonna upset some of our fan. Um, am I the only one who, when they said we have an internal feed from Fox News, I pictured in my head like Sean Hannity jerking off to a picture of Donald Trump? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I was like. <laughs> Or like Bill O'Reilly showing his dick to somebody in 2002. Like I don't, you know, I was like, oh shit, what are we gonna, what are we gonna do? I assumed like, it was gonna you know, be you? like the um, <laughs> the the cast of Fox and Friends playing with a ball of yarn or something, just eating pots of yeah, or, or like them dangling <laughs> keys at them to try to get them to look at the camera. Deucey, over here, over here, buddy. Huh? Where are we at? What? What, what do I say? Russia? No, don't say Russia. No, don't, never say that. No, 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 no. Uranium. Uranium. What, what about you. Clintons? <laughs> Come on, buddy, Blondie. That's not my name. Yeah, you're Blondie. Come here, Blondie. Look over here. Which you're one? fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I heard that. I was like, oh, this should be good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I don't trust Roger Stanton at all. Nope. Um, He's not on it. I, I feel like he probably took down this helicopter, but I don't know that for sure. Um, I didn't have a note. I forgot that Jack's arm was viciously mauled by a dog last episode. Oh, yeah. You actually probably need at least some Neosporin. <laughs> um, I actually had a question as well about yeah. that. So I noticed, uh, if you notice, Jack's right pinky finger is black. Is, the nail is black. Yeah. Now, does Jack have that? Or is that a Keefe thing? <laughs> it's probably a Keefe thing. That's just, I, now I, got, I haven't looked for pictures to see if that's like a thing. I was noticed it, it a couple black? episodes ago. That he had he had painted fingernails. Were they painted or bruised? Uh, it, it looked like they were painted. Hmm. Interesting. These are again. These are the things I notice. I don't notice when I'm taking <laughs> these stupid notes. I need to watch the show like four times. Apparently. Yeah, but Jack should definitely gotten a rabies shot at least. Um, something. Something. Rub some dirt on it, or at the very least. Yeah, um, my, little, so- my little puppo bit me on accident on the leg the other day. That was not fun. No. Just one tooth got to me. That hurts. Shit, shit hurts, man. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, this this episode did not really set... It was just a setup episode. Not a lot yeah. happened, especially after the, the action-packed frenzy of uh, episode four. Um, but, Curtis, where do, you, where do you think you're going? Obviously, you're a little mistrustful of Bob Warner. Yeah. Don't, trust, don't trust Bob Warner. Uh, don't trust Don't trust other Bob. Is okay. that his name? It's Robert, right? Yeah. yeah. No, Roger. 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 Sorry, Roger. Roger. Yeah. So, ba- okay, so, so Bodge. That. I think. Um, Roger, so just Bob. Bodge. Obviously. Um, well, I'm just saying a lot of, lot, of, lot of white dudes doing shady things while they're trying to get these brown dudes put away. You know? Mm-hmm. So. Weird. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so Tony, if, if your theorem is correct, is Tony is in the lion's den with Agent Richards. 
How do you feel about Agent Richards' chances? Richards is dead. <laughs> yeah, there's there. Richards is dead. Miguel's dead. Um, and look, I could be wrong about, but I'm, I'm I feel really good about Bob because I think, you know, you get this guy in, um, to be your CFO, and maybe he's not as experienced to do it or whatever, but he gives you a pretty good cover for for having suspicious activity with terrorists if you need to have it and random payments because it's your company. And he's your CFO, but so he he should see all the money transactions, but he doesn't see all the shit you're doing. You've already proven that you're a bit of a boss when it comes to. I've already looked at his background. I know what he's done. I know what's back there, so I could already set him up, right? That's what I'm hearing from your boy. Yeah. Um. Now, if if it turns out later that Marie is like a boss and set Reza up, I will respect her. <laughs> so I mean, she her was on CSI face. Miami. She knows how the game is played. I know. Trust me, I know all the CSIs. <laughs> what if it's uh, Kate? What if it's Kate? I that, still hate her. That stupid just, face her, cannot yeah, be. She, nah. I, if she can make that face and be a terrorist, because even Nina could make that stupid of a face and be a terrorist. <laughs> um, so that's a different kind of boss level. I mean, Nina was always shrewd and cool and collected at right. all times. If, 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 if you can, it, hell, that's the perfect cover. That's why you should be in the CIA. Like, if you can make that kind of stupid ass face that makes people hate you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right? Do you think she's an arc? No, man. Fucking ugh. Because it's it's the opposite of what you want. You want to appear to be cool and maybe collect, not be just the more the person only wants to be around ever. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I just don't. I I just think Bob. I think he's doing something. He's one thing cool. I noticed in this one that I didn't previously. Marie is constantly like readjusting her shirt to show her midriff a lot. I did. So part of me was scared because I'm like midriffs are not good for this show. mm Hmm. Um, and she, she made sure to tie, retie that midriff after the dress fitting was done. Sometimes they're made to catch bullets. That's what I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> only if, only if you're a good person. Uh, <laughs> well, 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 oh. um, yeah, so I, uh, this was a setup episode, so I, I have, a, I have good feelings about the next couple hours. I think 24 will hopefully fucking reward our patience. Maybe but, Kim will get run over by a car. I don't know. Yeah, Kim, Kim's story has literally nothing to do with the terrorism. No. It's just a side story of bullshit I don't care about. At least last time yeah. it tied in. Like like this time it's yeah, the Warners are tied into it. So I have to I guess I have to watch their bullcrap, but Yeah. There's just a Kim there. I this one Kim is literally just in danger. Right. We don't see anybody else's family. We don't know Paula's family is okay or Tony's family, so what the fuck do I care about Kim? Just saying shit. Yeah. Um hey, bud. I have no answers for you. It's gonna <laughs> suck. It's a hey, you're in for a slog. <laughs> Can I say this though? Seasons three and four are really, really good. Okay, I think this season's this season. Aside from the Kim stuff, I actually I think this season's pretty good. That's like saying the third of your life that you spend at work is really fun, <laughs> or like besides that third of your life, everything else. Oh well, yeah, fun. right. I mean, but it's like you know, just because you you had a bad dream, you don't be like, well, this entire day sucked. I'm just going to skip the Kim stuff from now on. So. <laughs> That's fine. We can cut through it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> we can just be well, like, and like Kim. Really cool happens. Uh, <laughs> I'll just do that for 20 <laughs> minutes of every episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Curtis, yeah, we'll you have just, any, any How big... about this? We'll just do, we'll do the Peter Griffin. Uh, every time you say Kim, we'll just be like, <laughs> <laughs> Kim. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would be on board for that. She's not great. 
Um, but yeah, okay. Well, I think that'll close us out for hour five. Not a whole lot happened. It was just definitely a setup episode. Jack's back in control of CTU, just about. Um, Tony's on the case. Kim is doing Kim shit. David just gave up the entire security of the country. Good times all around. Nina's gonna um, escape. You sure? Is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, if Nina escapes, Jack has pretty clear cover to just murder her in the face. Uh, he's, I think he's going to kill her eventually, but at some point she's going to get away from him. Okay. So. The thing is, presidential pardons don't cover you from Jack's bullets, so. <laughs> you can sign whatever you want, David Also, Palmer. but Jack has shown that he... Respects the rule of law? <laughs> no, no, I'm saying, I'm saying that he, he might help her escape if he thinks that that will allow him to stop the bomb. Mm-hmm. He does, especially if Kim calls him directly before he pulls the trigger oh, on God Nina. And she's like, Daddy, I'm still in downtown LA. Oh, fuck. All right, fine. Fine, I guess I'll let this dumb idiot go. Well, you got to pull an Aldo Rain from Glorious Bastards, right? Just shoot her in the, like, shoot her in the in the, the shoulder, in the leg. And we're like, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't tell you to do that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get chewed out. I've been chewed out before. That's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> so by the take, way, I'll take that. By the way, um, Xander Berkeley and uh, Sarah Clark were married on September 7th of 2002, so uh, about a month and a half before the air of of the first episode of this season. So good for they them. finished they finished filming and uh, you know they got married. So they were fucking. No, they good were toads fucking. Definitely. Great. Well, on that note, uh, I think we'll call it for this for this episode. But if you like this show, you can find out more information at goodbuddymedia.com. You can also find out more information about our sister show, Trends in Low Places, in which Michael and I talk about dumb internet news. Um, it's pretty fun if you like our brand of humor that, honestly, we didn't really show off in this episode, because uh, it sucked. Um, you can, <laughs> you'll probably enjoy that show. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with us, if you have a theory about the show that you want us to talk through with Curtis, you can shoot us an email at goodbuddymedia at gmail.com. Uh, we read every single email. We try to, our best to respond to them. Uh, we had a friend from college reach out uh, to talk to us about nuclear bombs. And uh, we may have to lean on that expertise pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's kind of an exciting wrinkle in the in this show, and I can't wait to exploit it. Scary. Um, <laughs> a little scary, because we used to get drunk with this fella. But uh, yeah, whoopsies. Um, so, Curtis, how else can people help us out? Yeah, guys, if you want to help us out, or find us on your podcasting app of choice, no matter what you use, whether that be iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podcast App, whatever you use to listen to podcasts, please subscribe to our show or uh, Trends in Little Places. And once you do that, go ahead and like and review and rate us so that we can move up the charts on those applications and become a podcast juggernaut and then get some sponsors. You don't keep bringing this stuff to you guys for free every week um, because for some reason we have fan and they like us. So, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get even more fan and grow even stronger. I do love fan. I do love all the fan. Speaking uh, of sponsors, but- I'd like to talk about me undies. <laughs> <laughs> and how much I'd love to sell them to our friends. <laughs> you guys know about micromodal fabric? <laughs> Nine times softer than cotton makes that that ball stink go right out the window. Squarespace, there's 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 a there's a there's a cr- uh, ugly Christmas rompers going down. What? One of those are our but one of those are our buds. I didn't know that. Yeah, and Michael. Also, it's pronounced Squarespace. 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 <laughs> <laughs>
I'm, I'm st- I promise you we will get either beer or scotch eventually. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. Scotch. Anyway, enough, enough chicane and shenanigans. Michael, tell the folks how they can connect with us on the old social medias. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at LDoolCast, L-D-O-O-L-Cast. Um, and please, you know, retweet or share our posts uh, with all of your friends. And um, if you like this show, let them know that you like this show. Um, and, uh, you know, it's the best way for us to get out to more people. Um, that's it. That's all I got. So that's it. Strong. That's it. Yeah, this episode really took the life out of all of us. It's like we were we were sleepy to begin with. It sucked. Kim just really drained our world to live, and I was just like, I don't know, listen or don't. Fuck you, listen. Just eat shit. Just download it. If you download it, we're good. Like, yeah. I don't Come back next week for I don't fucking know. Kim's gonna like kill a doctor or some shit. Well, fellas, we're running out of time. Toodles. <laughs> it's it's ham tanks. Ham t- <laughs> ham honks. Ham tonks. <laughs> <Ham-tonks. laughs>